invite you to remain standing for the reading now of God's Word from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Listen now for the Word of the Lord. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. It's the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Well, we've seen today just uh, the value of community and teamwork, and uh, with Sarah uh, needing to go home with Winston, we were able to cover the children's message because we have a team, and with Caro not feeling well today, John Gertner stepped in, and a choir is back, so we celebrate the choir back, but grateful, John, to lead them and direct them, and of course, Jonathan playing, but it takes all of us to make uh, worship happen, and thank you for your presence here today. Let us pray together. Lord, uh, we are grateful that uh, you have made us for community, and we're grateful that we are together today to worship you, and we're grateful for these who've come and those who are online that are watching, and Lord, we ask that you might do a good work now through your word. Remind us of the importance of connectedness to people, and Lord, bless this message. May it honor you, may it glorify the Christ. And may it reach your people. Come, Holy Spirit, do a good work, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we'll be continuing the sermon series, uh, Pursuit of God and the Non-Anxious Life. And last week I talked about the pursuit of the Christ child by the Magi. They're long distance, they're traveling, they had to gather resources, they had to go five to 900 miles, they had to uh, ask for directions, and when they found the Christ child, they offered their worship and brought their gifts, which were very important to help the Holy Family to escape for their safety and for the child's safety in Egypt. And we also acknowledge that they had an encounter with Herod, and that encounter probably raised some anxiety. And after a vision from the angel, we talked last week about them going home another way. And some of you have uh, shared with me about the challenge last week at the end of the service to go home a different way, because we have the freedom to choose the life we're going to live, and we can make decisions along the way to go a different route, and that is something I want to talk about today, about choosing community, choosing connectedness, and shoring up our lives, that if we don't have the adequate relationships in our lives that will keep us healthy, that will keep us grounded, that will keep us safe, then we need to shore up those relationships and work intentionally on our relationship life. So that's what we're talking about today as we go into this uh, continuation of the sermon series. Did anybody notice on the bulletin the difference between this week's bulletin and last week's bulletin? Yes, we have an extra person added. So last week we had one individual, and this week we have a second individual standing there uh, by our person there looking at the sun. And uh, again, very important that we celebrate community. And I want you to visualize who that person might be for you. Who are the people in your life that are the people that are the close relatives, friends, spouses, uh, that come alongside, neighbors, to help you have the life that God intends for you. The goal, again, is to have community in our lives. That, I believe, will help with the lowering of the anxiousness of our lives if we are not isolated and alone. So about 
In year 2000, sociologist Robert Putman uh, came out with a groundbreaking book called Bowling Alone. And you could tell by the title what his objective was, was to talk about the importance of community in our lives. And he was noticing, he has some research to back this up, about uh, what was happening in the year 2000, in which uh, he was seeing the trends in America that people were becoming, even in the year 2000, more isolated and more alone. And uh, because of that, they were beginning to see connections between health and vitality and even length of life with uh, one's community life, one's relational life. In fact, uh, he, he cites in his book a Harvard social scientist study of 7,000 people called the Alameda County Study. It was a nine-year study that showed researchers they had isolated people and they had people that were more relationally connected in various ways. And the isolated individuals were three times more likely to die than those who had meaningful community around them. So hear that again. If you are in good relational life, maybe with your spouse, with your children, your family, if you have close friendships, if you are in a band, a class meeting, if you have people that in a church that care about you, you are able to sustain life much better, even three times better than anyone who is truly isolated and alone. The Journal of American Medical Association study uh, did another study, Strong Emotional Connections, uh, and they found that people, and I don't know who would sign up for this, I don't know if I would sign up for this study, because you had to be exposed to the common cold virus, okay? And people who had good, was determined good, emotional, healthy relationships were four times more likely to fight off the virus than those that uh, were isolated and alone. Putman was sounding the alarm for Americans 24 years ago that we must be connected. And friends, I just want to remind all of us, this was before the internet really got ramped up. This was before we all had cell phones in our hands and our purses that keep us connected to the cloud, right? And uh, this is uh, the, uh, the way in which we've chosen to live. Also, this was much before COVID-19. And results of research would show that we are not getting any better, and most likely we are getting maybe even worse. Now, uh, 2022 research from the Ramsey Solutions Group found that 68% of Americans have three or fewer close friends. So count that, the three or fewer close friends. That's almost uh, seven out of 10 people saying they do not have a close friend. Uh, that's, that's an alarm. That's a very alarming, especially if a Christian person is active in a church. We must be better connected than that. Also, the study showed that uh, 54% of those who took the survey said that they did not feel calling a friend or didn't know who they would call. 54% didn't know who they would call in the middle of the night if they slipped or fell or had some kind of a family emergency or got stranded somewhere and needed help in the middle of the night. They didn't know who they would call. That's an alarming thing as well. Gene and I have had some conversation about who's on the list, who that we would call that if we got in that predicament that we would ask to come and to provide us some help. Also, 40% of married couples uh, in the survey said they did not feel a close emotional connection with their spouse. 
This is why I'm excited that uh, we're bringing back re-engaged marriage ministry next fall uh, to Marvin Church because we want to have strong, vital marriages going alongside our classes and bands and Sunday school programs because relationships matter. And friends, we must have a better relational life. It's better for your health. It's better for your immune system. And things I've been reading this week are showing that even the life expectancy of people in America is going down, amazingly. And they're saying that a lot of this is attributed to the loneliness and the despairing that we're feeling. And a lot of this is connected to evidence now of social media and how we are digitally connected, but we are not relationally connected. And there is a difference between being digitally connected and being relationally connected. Deloney in his book goes into some detail. Again, Deloney's book is that called uh, Building the Non-Anxious Life. He says there is training in psychology that he brings as well as counseling and vast experience in that, study in neurology that our brains are constantly scanning for environmental threats. And when we feel lonely, when we feel isolated, that brings this threat to your brain, and your brain will be uh, creating anxiety until you get that solidified. So friends, we have a choice. We can choose today to go another way. We can choose the church, we can choose bands and class meetings and Sunday school classes and good lifetime friendships and our good uh, healthy relationships with our spouses, or we can continue to default, as many are doing in America, to scroll through social media, chat with others online, watch a lot of television or YouTube videos, order groceries or dinner through DoorDash or Amazon, and perpetuate the loneliness and all of the ramifications that are coming with that. But you can decide. You can choose to go another way. Again, Americans today, the most digitally connected generation in the history of humankind. There's a lot of data out there now showing the skyrocketing loneliness the increase in disease, and again, the flattening out of the human life expectancy in America. All that is to say that communication, though very easy for us, is not the same as connecting. Did you hear me? Communication is not the same as connecting. And I talk probably weekly to my son and to my daughter, either by text or by uh, phone call, and we'll even FaceTime each other and see the grandchildren. But let me tell you, there's a difference between communication with technology and connecting emotionally and looking into a child's eyes or your grandchildren's eyes, as we did after Christmas. Going to San Antonio, seeing all of our, our children and our grandchildren, their spouses, all under one roof, and playing with them and sharing the moments and the experiences together was very fulfilling and just gave me joy and Gina joy for days and weeks. Uh, and so we know that life is meant to be in connection. And we're going to explore this in God's Word. And speaking of God's Word, let's uh, look back at the passage of Scripture I read. This is from the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, Ecclesiastes is what is we refer to in the Bible as wisdom literature. It is a genre of Scripture that is not necessarily all about God, though God is in there and mentioned certainly. It's certainly not about Christ. It's in the Old Testament, but there are some things that you could kind of see a hint of Christ in the coming. But Ecclesiastes being wisdom literature is very much like Proverbs and very much like the Psalms can be for us or even the book of Job. The book of Ecclesiastes has little pithy general wisdom statements and uh, some longer than others, but here's, a, here's an example. Death awaits us, so enjoy life while you can. 
That's found in the book of Ecclesiastes. Also, there is nothing new under the sun. And what does that scripture mean? It simply means that the human condition is the same, right? There are the same types of problems. They just have a different kind of look with every generation. Puts its own spin on it. So obviously for uh, Solomon to write this passage of Scripture, there were people who were lonely and discouraged many, many years ago in 900 B.C. when these words were inspired by God. So but today's wisdom lesson for us is two are better than one and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Relationships, they matter. You are created in the image of God, and I want to remind us all here today that God is a God of relationships. In fact, God is found in community. We celebrate the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God, three in one, is found in community. And as God is in community, He has created the community called the church for us to relate to one another, but also, most importantly, to relate to Him. It was the famous mathematician and philosopher Blase Pascal who you will recognize this quote, there is a God-shaped void in every human heart that only God can fill pastor and author John Ortberg took that quote and kind of tweaked it to fit our subject matter today. There is a human-shaped void in every human heart that only other people can fill. We need each other. We need people in our lives. Just like a rope is made strong by having more strands of thread in it than just a single strand, so our lives are made strong when we have multiple people in our lives in various different roles. God has the three in one, and we are found to be in relationship with God. And I love this quote, this quote from Dallas Willard. God's aim in human history is the creation of an inclusive community of loving persons with himself included as the primary sustainer and the most glorious inhabitant. You got to think about that one, but it is a great quote. God loves community and he loves to be right in the middle of it as the glorious uh, person involved in this as well as the one who's continually sustaining the relationships. That's what I would translate to say that a Christian friendship, a Christian marriage goes way deeper than one that is not based on Christ, that does not have Christ or God in the center of it. Because when you put God in the middle of the marriage, when you put God in the middle of the friendship, it takes it to another level of love and care and intimacy for one another. John Fawcett wrote the words of blessed be the tie that binds. And we will sing that in just a few moments at the close of the service. But the first stanza goes as this. Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The fellowship of kindred minds is like to that above. The fellowship that we experience when we feel this love, this Christian love for one another is likened to the love that the God, that our God has for the, you know, for the Son and the Son for God and, and then the Holy Spirit in that mix. Two are better than one. They have a three-fold cord that is not quickly broken. Two are better than one. It's better not to be isolated and it's even better when God is in the middle of it all. Two are better than one could be a, a theme of God's scriptures. Jesus said in John 10, 38, the Father is in me and I am in the Father. We are one. 
And in John 14, 23, he says, anyone who loves me, my Father will love them. And we will come down. We will come down and we will make our home in them. Expand on this idea, this three in one, this idea of God coming and making a home in our hearts. We know the Holy Spirit dwells in us. We know that Christ lives in our hearts through faith. We have this special relationship. Two are better than one. When David needed a friend that he could trust, he made a covenant with Jonathan. And when Elijah was tired and worn out and ready to retire, God sent Elisha to go and to be his helper and to take the mantle of leadership. When Naomi and her daughter-in-law Ruth were, were, uh, had those beautiful expressions of commitment to each other, wherever you go, I will go. Whoever you stay with, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. The Apostle Paul, he had a friend named Barnabas who was such an encourager to him when others maybe discounted him. And then there is Timothy who was mentored by Paul. Jesus, in his earthly ministry, had three close disciples, Peter, James, and John, in the Garden of Gethsemane. What did he do? He called them to come close and keep watch and pray with me. We see this throughout the Scripture, this idea of two being better than one. Author John Deloney, again in this book, uh, Building a Non-Anxious Life, talks about uh, an experience that he had when his, his wife experienced a, a tubal rupture of the ectopic pregnancy that she had. And so immediately, as you know, if you've known anyone who's had that type of experience, it's very life-threatening. There's a lot of loss of blood. He got her to the emergency quickly. The OBGYN showed up. They raced her to OR for surgery immediately to, 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 to make the corrections and to stop the bleeding and to begin the transfusion of blood to save her life, but he saw the face of the OBGYN, and he was devastated. He thought when they pulled his wife away to go to OR, that was the last time he would see his wife alive. A friend came and took his three-year-old son uh, home to get them out of the hospital, and there he sat by himself in the waiting room, waiting to see what was going to come of the surgery. And then his, uh, another friend just showed up who got wind of what was going on and sat next to him. And about 45 minutes later, the doctor came out, shared that even though the baby was lost, I, that his wife was going to recover and be fine. And he just kind of sat back in the chair. And he so just so I couldn't say anything. Just all the emotion, all the adrenaline, all caught up with him. His friend who was sitting next to him at that time just simply reached over and grabbed his sneaker and just squeezed it. Didn't say a word. And then as he looked over at his friend to acknowledge the squeeze, his friend had a tear that was coming down his eye. And in that moment, he said, my friend was, pray was uh, not only praying, but crying prayer uh, tears that I was not yet ready to cry myself. Friends, that's the beauty of this wonderful expression. Pity anyone who falls and does not have another to step there beside them and to be with them when words cannot do not need to be spoken, but the presence of a friend can be so helpful. Whether it's a Stephen minister, a Sunday school class member, members of classes or bands that come and sit. I've seen this, Marvin, when you are sitting in the waiting room, there are others around you that are close friends, and that's what we want to value. That's what we want to celebrate. Remembering, blessed be the tie that binds again. We share our mutual woes, our burden, mutual burdens bear, and often for each other flows a sympathizing tear. The scripture continues, though one may be overpowered, 
two can defend themselves. Life is hard, and it doesn't necessarily get any easier. There are always going to be some challenges. We talked about that last week, but one of the things that I want to share with you that happened to me this week is I sat with a, uh, and had lunch with a member of, a, of the faith Sunday school class, and I also had a meeting where I was talking with an individual that's in the Trinity Sunday School class. And if you're not aware of what's happening, these two classes are merging together. And this is a class of uh, 30-year-olds, the faith class, 30-year-olds with children in elementary school. And then, the, then there's the Trinity class where you have some college-age uh, kids, but mostly empty nesters. And it was interesting to hear the two perspectives. I didn't solicit this information, but the gentleman who from the Trinity class said, you know what, I love the youthfulness and the enthusiasm and the conversation and the insights that the young people are bringing to the conversation. But I'll always remember what the member of the faith class said. He said, you know what, I'm, it's been a hard week and we're rushing. We've got three children we're raising and they're all under the age of eight. And he said, but you know what, sitting there and being in conversation with people that have already raised their children and have, are now empty nesters was so helpful, so in, insightful and so strengthening to me. That's exactly what he was saying is that we cannot be overpowered when we have people that bring wisdom and insight and mentoring into our lives. Grateful what's happening for what's happening in those two classes, the Trinity and Faith class. Navy SEALs, when they arrive at their designated field of operation, they're trained to ask three questions. Where am I? Where is the enemy? Where is my teammate? Great questions. And I think we should all remember that third question, especially here when we arrive on campus at Marvin Church. We go throughout the week, who is my teammate? Who is the one who will go through this journey with me? Because when people are for you, your life is so much better and can be so much more, uh, so much more successful. People can change behaviors when they know that people are for them. And Dallas Willard once said in a beautiful expression, in order for people to be stable and to experience healthy living, they must have the assurance that others are for them. So here's the question. Who is for you? Who believes in you? Who wants the best for you? Who wants you to be successful in your career or be successful in your schooling or to be successful in your parenting? Who is cheering for you? You've got to have those individuals because behavioral patterns can change. Neurologists tell us we can have new hardwired neurological pathways created when we know that we have people that are for us. When our relationships are healthy and strong, then we can make those new pathways and we can get out of addictions and we can change our behaviors. That has been proven and that is why People form support groups in order to deal with addiction and to be set free from that as they establish those new neurological pathways. Who is for you? Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. And we certainly celebrate the work and, and ministry of Pastor Alfred Dejao in Tanzania, Africa, a man who is building a church, he's building a preschool, he's building a primary school, he's got now water wells, and he's now making all kinds of things happen, and he's training uh, people in discipleship in, in, in Tanzania. 
but this is a man who 15 years ago walked into our church as a Bible student from Jacksonville for the very first time, but then found his tribe, if you will. He found his people, the people that were for him, the friendly class, the pastors and members of the church who've been supportive to help him get his education, help provide for his ordination, and then to provide the resources to help him build his church and his school. So friends, we have to have people that are for us. So real quickly in summary, God has designed you for community as God is in community. To be healthy, to experience the abundant life that God has for you, to lessen anxiety in our lives, we must be committed to having friendships. You cannot do life alone. Choose community and choose restorative things rather than uh, distractions of television or social media because real life connections with people are more important than all the communication. So if you think about some action items, make a list of your friends. Do you have more than three close friends that you can call on to step aside, beside you if you're going through a crisis, need someone just to talk to? Ask yourself, who would I call in case of emergency? Or I tell you what a great thing you could do is just to go out and knock on your neighbor's door and borrow a cup of sugar. When's the last time that anybody borrowed anything from a neighbor? It's again of a sign of us and the breaking down of community that we're not willing to just go ask for help. I was so blessed. Last time we had an ice storm a couple years ago, we had a major limb from a Bradford pair that came crashing down on our driveway. And then, you know, I wasn't able to, I didn't have what I needed to do to get it fixed. But when I came home from work, it was gone. And my neighbors had stepped up, both two retired guys. I know who they are, though they, they didn't admit to doing it. But friends, when you allow people to help you, it also strengthens them and it gives them an opportunity to serve. And I'm so grateful for those friendships. We need to call on each other and ask for help from our friends and from our neighbors. Consider a Sunday school class, a class meeting, or a band. Join us on Wednesday nights. We had a miracle here last Wednesday night. We had 72 people that registered for, that they were going to eat on campus and we fed 157. I think Mary Lynn has Jesus back there working in the kitchen <laughs> with her. And you can help us out by making a reservation. We were thrilled to have a huge crowd on Wednesday night. But friends, it's amazing. The love around the table. Come up to church on a Wednesday night. Share a meal. Make a reservation before you come so we can have some food ready and help us out. We're going to keep Jesus busy and multiplying food. But let me tell you, it was a joy to see a full room. People sharing a meal, breaking bread. So again, a threefold cord, not quickly broken. Again, the quote from Dallas Willard, God will love, be the, be the person who's the primary sustainer and the glorious inhabitant of the Christ-centered relationship. That's where life is found. This is the church where it can happen, and we're doing all that we can to make sure that we are connected one with another. So if you want to get serious about a non-anxious life, especially in 2024, you better shore up your community. And you need to have people. And next week we'll be talking about the mindfulness that comes with also this exercise of building the non-anxious life.